This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 11th, 2010. Slow Fade, Conversations About Our Christ Encounters. Poor Woody. Huh? It's going to be tough to be Woody. You know, Andy gets the new toys, gets the new Buzz Lightyear, and all of his attention goes to him. You know, I don't think it's all at once, but it goes to him. And not just Andy, I guess it's not just kids. I think, I think it happens to all of us. We're drawn to new and different things and things that may be a little more exciting. And, and when we find new things, just like Andy and Woody, we tend to leave behind what we once cared for, what we once loved. Amen? Amen. Well, it's like the message that Jesus had for the church at Ephesus. This is a really, um, like an ouch, toe-stepping passage. We find it in Revelation chapter 2. Listen to this. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look at how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent... I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Mm. Wow. So Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, and you know, the sad truth is many of us are like the church at Ephesus. To, to quote the words from a, a great old Righteous Brothers song, many of us, we've lost that love and feeling. Well, well, oh, well. But it's not gone, gone, gone. It's a slow, slow fade. Slow fade. That's what we're going to be talking about today and the next two weeks. Slow fade. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for this morning for bringing us here so that we could worship you and praise your holy name. And now, oh God, open up our hearts so that we might hear your message found in Scripture, that we might be changed and transformed by it and walk out of here differently than when we came in. We pray this in your precious and holy name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Jesus says. True for the church at Ephesus, true for many of us as well. We don't love Jesus as we did at first. The initial luster's faded. That excitement that comes with newness is not as exciting. That sparkle isn't sparkling like it once did. It's not that we don't love Jesus anymore. It's just not with that same urgency, intensity, that same excitement that we had when it was all so new. For many of us, we've experienced kind of a slow fade, and we need to not only be aware of that slow fade, but to figure out how to change it, how to reverse it, how to get things back. And Jesus shares with the church at um, Ephesus, it's not just him, but also those around him. We shared last week how when we're in this new relationship, we just can't wait to tell somebody about that person in our lives, how we're just like, can't 
we're all excited, and it's like, oh, we can't wait to introduce that new person. We can't stop talking about the new person in our life. That's right. And same thing with Jesus. Um, When we first get to know him, really know him, when he becomes a part of our lives, when he's our Savior, we just can't not talk about him. Amen? Amen. He He seems to permeate all our conversations. We're excited about Jesus being part of our lives, and we just got to share with anybody who'll listen, and we're probably going to share it even with those guys that won't listen. How about that? Yeah. Well, it's not like we're preaching or anything, though. We're not saying, you know, you better believe or else. It's not one of these turn or burn sermons. That's not what it's about. You see, all we want to do is say, I have a Savior. Here I was. Jesus came into my life, and here I am today, thanks to Jesus Christ. It's like when we get this really cool present, do we not tell anybody about it? Of course we tell people about this gift that we've been given. And Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we've ever been given. And we don't share about that. We keep that gift to ourselves. We can't. And so when we first have Christ come into our lives, we're so full of joy that if we don't talk about it, we're just going to burst. And then it happens. Now, it's not all at once. It's not like a light switch on and off. It's more like kind of like a, um, like a sunset where it just, you watch the sun on the horizon just kind of gradually. You, you can't even see it moving, can you? But you realize it's moving because it's getting smaller and smaller, and then all of a sudden, it's out, you know? And, and, and uh, uh, it's like uh, Andy and the toys, Andy and Woody. He didn't stop playing with him one day, playing, playing with him less and less and less. And then you see that scene where Andy's in the toy chest when Woody goes, or excuse me, when Woody's in the toy chest when Andy goes to sleep. Yeah. Well, and the Jesus talk that once permeated our conversations becomes less and less and less to the point where Jesus may not be part of our conversations at all anymore. Oh, I mean, we still know him. We still love him. We still claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior because he is. But that excitement that we once had just doesn't come through. Now, maybe maybe we're just tired. Maybe we get lazy. I don't know what it what happens, but well, maybe we've talked to our family and friends and we just don't know who else to talk to about it. And actually, we should never stop no matter if we just shouldn't stop anyway. Things our relationship with Christ that shine brightly relationship just begins to have this slow fade. And what happens also is it's a replacement policy. So we ended up, we end up talking a lot, but we talk about church. Talk about what's going on at church, 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 church. That's the, the buzzword rather than Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's okay to talk about church, but that, remember Jesus is who we worship. It's interesting how that happens, isn't it? We talk about how important church is in our life we got to remember to talk about how important Jesus is in our life. And the other thing is we get complacent. Human nature, we get complacent. We get kind of self-satisfied. We get 
Here's a really tough one, indifferent. Indifferent if we're not careful. And what happens is twofold. We, we fail to see the Lord at work in our lives. We were talking about God sightings back with the vacation Bible school a couple of weeks ago. Well, if we're not kind of on alert, we might fail to see it when it's right in front of us. We've got to be ready. We've got to be looking. We've got to be expecting. And if we're not, we might miss it. And then we have a twofold loss because if we miss it, we lose. And if we miss it, we can't talk about it. So those around us lose because we're not talking about the things because we aren't experiencing them ourselves. It's, it's interesting, this whole concept of evangelism. That sounds kind of like a scary word. It's, it's really not. Evangel, it's sharing the good news. Sharing the good news. Nowhere in Scripture are we told that we have to convert people to Christianity. That's not what we're told. Nowhere are we told that it's our job to save anybody. Nowhere are we told that, that we're the Savior. You see, all of our conversations need to point to Jesus Christ. We're not the Christ. Everything that we say needs to point to Jesus all we need to do is simply tell the good news about the gift that we've received. Here I was. Jesus came into my life. Here I am today. Mm. Our job is to be a witness. Mm. A witness. Mm. Anybody ever been in court? Uh, don't tell me why, but you ever been in court? I have. For other people. No, I've been in court before. How many, let me see some hands. How many have seen a court thing on TV? Keep your hands up. Because if you don't have your hand up one of these things, I'm going to take you to court so we can. All right. So most of you are aware of what, you know, and if, if, at least on TV and in real life, they still use the Bible oftentimes. You know, even though the separated church state, praise the Lord, still use the Bible. And the bailiff, right? The bailiff person will say to the witness, Okay, they put their left hand here and they raise their right hand and they'll say, I swear to tell the, the whole and nothing but, so help me. Boy, you've been there. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> so so th- three times you just said truth, right? I, I guess the truth's pretty important if you're going to be a witness. That's your job, isn't it? To tell the truth. And in this case... So help me. That, that's pretty intense. I mean, you better be telling the truth if you're saying so. God, give me the help to tell me. The, have you ever been to court or seen on TV where the person, the witness says, okay, repeat after me. I promise to do my best to convince the jury to see things the way that the defender wants them to be seen. That's not his job or her job, is it? the defender's job or the prosecutor. That's not the witness's job, is it? Witness's job is simple, to tell the truth, to say what he or she saw or heard, the best of their knowledge, truthfully. Amen? Amen. And so that's true for us as well in our relationship with Jesus and with those who are around us. We are to be witnesses. We are to be witnesses. We are to tell the truth. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. 
just before Jesus leaves them. This is found in Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mm. He doesn't say here, go into the world and save people, does he? All he says is, preach the good news. That's evangel is good news. In other words, be an evangelist. Be a good news t- teller. Tell them what you know, what you've seen, what you've heard about me. Pure and simple. There's another scripture that we want to lift up. It's at the beginning of the book of Acts, and it's when the resurrected Jesus tells his disciples, he tells his disciples this just before he's taken up to be in heaven. By the way, he's taken up before their very eyes. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there to see that? Well, anyway, this is in Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my... Yeah. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and where? And so we will be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. In Middletown, in Smyrna, in Bear, in Newark, in Dover, in Galena, in wherever. Shout it out. Where do you live? Uh, uh, keep on. Where? Clayton. Where else? Cecilton. Yeah. Even in Cecilton. <laughs> No, not on Cecilton, but it says Samaria. Samaria, for the Jews, wasn't a place you wanted to get. I'm not saying that about Cecilton. <laughs> what are you saying? What I'm saying is we're even called to go tell it to people that we don't really want to tell it to. Or that we don't know. Wherever or that we we'd are. rather not go to. I mean, Samaria wasn't the place they wanted, but we're still supposed to go there, right? We're supposed to share the good news with everybody to the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses, Jesus says. He's saying that to the disciples. Well, we're disciples. So he's saying it to us too. Witness. Tell the truth. Tell the truth about me, about what you've seen, and about what you've heard. Well, we see this all throughout the Gospels. The Gospels is, you know, the first four books of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's the life of Jesus. And so we see this right up front, right out of the gate in the Old, in the New Testament. People are touched by Jesus. People are touched by Jesus right from the very beginning, right from Jesus' birth. Listen to this, Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, 17, 18. You're probably familiar with this. It's part of a bigger story, but here it is. When they, the shepherds, had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them. Remember the angels, the heavenly host had shared. They shared that, what had been told them about this child. In other words, they're going to share what they've seen and what they've heard. And check out what happens when they do this. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said. These shepherds were at the bottom rung of the socioeconomic ladder. Do you think people were normally amazed at what they had to say? 
Probably not. Maybe David years before. But generally speaking, shepherds weren't, I don't think, considered amazing people. They were average, everyday workers in the field. And yet now, people were amazed. Is it because of what they, was it their words that they were sharing? No. They were sharing what they'd seen and what they'd heard about Jesus. And when we do that, people are going to be amazed. Yeah. In the ninth chapter of Matthew, we, we hear about a story of two blind men who were touched by Jesus and their sight was restored. Now, in this case, Jesus sternly told them not to share anything, not to tell anybody about what he did. And, and I don't really recommend, you know, going against what Jesus says. But in this, in this particular case, the point is that they could not keep the miracle to themselves. They could not keep what happened to them to themselves. And so they spread the, they spread the news throughout the whole region. Why was it? They just couldn't help themselves. They had to. Another favorite story of mine, of ours, is uh, from the ninth chapter. This time, the ninth chapter of John's Gospel. And it's another story about Jesus healing somebody who was blind. And in this case, he did it on the Sabbath day. Now, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, didn't care for that because on the Sabbath, you weren't supposed to do any work, and they considered this work. And so uh, he, Jesus was on their list, their no-good list, because of what he was doing because he healed a blind guy on the Sabbath day. And they were trying to get the blind guy to see that this Jesus guy is a sinner. He's, he's not a great guy like the guy thought. And they wanted the guy to admit that it was God's doing not this Jesus guy, and that he was a sinner. And I love the response. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's just so simple and just so truth-telling. They, they're hammering this guy, and they're hammering his parents, and they come back and hammer again, trying to get him to recount his story, to do something different. Finally, he says this. He says, look, whether he, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. And I'm thinking that he's saying, I don't care. One thing I know. I was blind. Now I see. It's pretty simple, right? I was blind. He doesn't say this, but we know. Jesus came into my life. Now I see. Now, you say, wow, that's wow, blind. Well, you, maybe you've had an inc- Maybe it wasn't a blindness. Maybe it was. Maybe, um, maybe yours was like mine. I um, uh, was very focused on money and how much I could make. Jesus part of my life. Now I give him minimum 10% and try to share as much as I can with others. It's all possible. It's a different life, isn't it? Maybe it's, I was a miserable, grouchy, no good, no, no, no. <laughs> That's Jesus, not true, but huh? you're just I'm pretending. talking on behalf of others, of okay. course. Okay. Uh, I didn't want you to think uh, that actually, I There have been that. days when I've been a miserable, grumbling, no good, no, I'll, take, I'll take that one on. Jesus came in my life. I try not to be. <laughs> <laughs> and some days I'm successful. Not because of me, 
but because of Jesus. I used to be real impatient with my children. Jesus is part of my life. I'm less impatient with my children. You see, if you know Jesus, you, you probably don't have to give a deep, deep, deep theological discussion with somebody to share the good news. You know, often, often we can say, one thing I know, I was blind, now I see. And the difference was because of one person. Say it with me. Jesus. Have you had a Christ encounter recently? What's your story? Maybe it wasn't as dramatic as losing your sight and getting it back, but maybe it was. Maybe you did get your sight back because you could see some things or understand some things that you never did before. Maybe it was getting something else back. Maybe it was a piece that was gone. Maybe it was a spouse that's back. Maybe, maybe it's getting your sobriety back. What's your story? Have you had a Christ encounter recently? Or maybe it was something less dramatic. Or maybe you thought it was less dramatic. Probably in the whole scheme of things, maybe it's not less dramatic at all. Maybe it was having a friend call you in the middle of the day at the exact moment that you needed a friend to call you in the middle of the day. Or maybe it was realizing a sense of peace like you've never known as you were prepping for some surgery where most anybody else would have been going crazy and you're just calm and peaceful. Or, or, or maybe it was sitting here in the worship center on a Sunday morning and you have just felt the Holy Spirit all over you letting you know that God loves you more than you ever would have imagined. Or, or may, maybe it's the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody that you never in your wildest dreams thought you'd ever have the opportunity of sharing Jesus with. Yeah. Last Sunday, 4th of July, hope everybody had a great time. Yeah. We were um, with our friends. We went over to their house for something to eat, and we could sit in our backyard and, and watch fireworks. And um, our friendship really is almost like family. And they have a seven-year-old little girl. And um, we were really excited when we got there because it wasn't only our friends there, but they had invited someone over that we didn't know. And that's always fun to meet somebody that we don't know. And we found out that they don't have a church home. And so it's like, ooh, Okay, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. You know, I've, in all my conversations, I'm like, I can't wait. But anyway, so I'm like thinking, okay, God, how are you going to unfold this? What do, you know, so we walk up and there's my seven-year-old little buddy, friend, girl. And she says to her other friend, she goes, this is my Aunt Carrie. Well, she's not really my aunt, but she's like my aunt. She's a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> and I'm like meeting these people for the first time, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. And at first I'm like, 
But then it was like, you go, girl, to myself. It's like really, really cool. And, you know, she had, she's normally in Sunday school almost all three services. Thank you very much, Sunday school teachers. You're teaching this child well. She knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. And she is a little evangelist now. And so here she's got her friend. And come to find out, this little girl's mother says, yeah, she's talking about Jesus all over the school. And um, in fact, she brought her little friend to VBS the last night, just one night of VBS, Thursday night, and this little girl went home and said, Mommy, when am I going to learn about God? And that's because of the invitation that she gave to her friend. Now, Courtney's got all these little uh, glow stick necklaces, and we're out there, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be fun, so I'm watching her. God loves you, so do I. God loves you, so do I. She was not ashamed to share about the Jesus that she knows. I didn't have to say a word. You know, I watched it unfold right before my eyes. We watched it unfold right before our eyes in the form of a little seven-year-old girl who loves Jesus Christ. So what about us? I mean, we over the years have built up all these Things like, ooh, if I talk about Jesus, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. How about we just have a childlike faith? Isn't that what God tells us to have? And to take a lesson from the kids and go ahead and go for it and share about Jesus to those who we meet. And to keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. What's really good is that um, uh, I'm a sinner saved by her. She'd only been in church that one day. She picked that up. She was really listening. <laughs> Wasn't she? She was. One day, yeah. Yeah, but that childlike faith, Christ says to the disciples, you've got to have childlike faith if you're going to enter the kingdom. You've got to be like one of these. Don't get all the junk in your way. Just keep it simple. And... Uh, and enjoy the Jesus moments, the encounters. Recognize them, celebrate them, enjoy them, and share them with others. You know, when you get a great gift at Christmas, your birthday, do, do you keep it to yourself? Do you, I can't tell anybody. Oh, you got to tell everybody, right? If it's a great gift, you're on the phone. You hardly got the box open. You're on the phone to somebody. You're sharing it to. Oh, you got to guess what I got for Christmas. Well, if it's that, that's nothing compared to the gift we got. Why are we, we should be just like telling the good news. Not to convince them, but because we can't hold it. Like in the scriptures, it says, if the disciples didn't share it, the very rocks would cry out as Jesus goes into uh, uh, Palm, Palm Sunday there, right? The very stones would cry out, this is such good news. How can we possibly keep it to ourselves? In John's Gospel, chapter 4, there's a, a story that many of you might be familiar with. It's, it's a story about the, women, the woman at the well. You know, she goes out. Um, well, Jesus was by himself. He, the disciples had gone to get some food, and so he was by himself. And he meets this woman, this Samaritan woman, at noon. And she tells Jesus that she's not married 
when he tells her to go get her husband. And Jesus, you know, admits, says, yeah, you're telling the truth on that one, that you've been married five times, and you're not married to the man that you're currently living with. So Jesus was speaking truth into her life. Now, some commentaries point out that it's unusual for this woman to go out at noon to get water in the heat of the day. And they speculate that she's doing this because she's been ostracized by society. She's a Samaritan. That's not good. She's a woman. That's not good. And her lifestyle, that's not good. So Jesus is there talking with her. And, 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 and he uses this water for a great metaphor. And he, he talks to the water and the well. He compares it to the living water that he has to offer. And he says, you know, if you, if you drank of my water, you wouldn't be thirsty ever again. And she doesn't quite get that. She's, she's not getting She's going, wow. She's still thinking in terms of the real water that's there. And, and so he ends up sharing with her about the Messiah and saying, I'm him. He's in your very presence. I'm, I'm, I'm him. And then just about that time, the, the disciples return, and they're talking to Jesus. The next thing you know, the Scripture tells us that she sets the water jar down, and, and she leaves to go to town to talk to these other people. Now, again, we speculate, it doesn't say, but we speculate that she probably doesn't talk to the townspeople much. That's why she's in getting water by herself. Normally, you'd be in the cool of the day with the other women. It'd be a little social time while you're drawing the water, but not her. She's all alone getting the water. She's separated. And yet, at this point, She goes to tell the town people, and here's what the Scripture says. She tells them. She says this to the town people. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Well, she, I'm sure, isn't proud of those things, but what she can't get over is that he knew all of her stuff. And then she says, could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the anointed one? Could this be the one we've been promised for hundreds of years? is basically what she's saying. Is this the guy? And this is even better. Even better than her going out to them is what happens next, because I'm sure they don't normally listen to her, pay a lot of attention to her, or take what she says very seriously. But look what happens here. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. It wasn't her words. It was what she was, it was the witness that she had. And what was she talking about? Who was she talking about? Jesus. And so if we talk about Jesus, people are going to make their way toward him. And so this meeting with Jesus was so powerful for this woman that she just had to go into town. She just had to share it, even though she took a huge risk because people really didn't want to hear from her. And she couldn't hold it in, so she had to tell it anyway. And we think, well, that's a really incredible story. But actually, when we've got something so big, how in the world can we not share it? When Jesus forgives us, when our lives are changed, how can we not share that? When we've received healing in the midst of our grief, or healing in a relationship. I mean, we don't have to talk about the details of that, but what Jesus has done, how can we not share that? This story has a really cool ending. Um, John chapter 4, beginning at verse 39. John four thirty-nine through 42. 
New International Version. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's all she said. That's her testimony. Seven-word testimony. In the Hebrew, it might even be less. I don't know how many words it takes to say that. How long's your testimony? Can you boil it down to seven words? Well, if you could, you could tell it a lot in a day, couldn't you? <laughs> he told me everything I ever did. Boom! People come to see him. So many Samaritans came to see him. They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believers became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So now all of a sudden they could be witnesses, can't they? Because they've actually seen and heard him. But what was it that first drew them out? Her testimony. Did she save them? No. All she did was share what she'd seen and what they, she heard. And when she did that, they had to see it for themselves, didn't they? Yeah. And so she was a witness. A witness. Because of her testimony, many in the town, many in the town came to believe because of her witness. They were no longer strictly relying on, on what they had heard, but they came and met Jesus for themselves. And then it's like this ripple effect because then they go and tell. I, I'm just curious, how many people are here today because you were invited to come? Yeah, okay. Can you imagine if somebody didn't invite? And, and here's the thing. Maybe we say we'll come to church, but really what we're saying is, man, I met Jesus, and I, I want you to meet him too. And remember, our focus always needs to be on Christ, but the actual invitation, the actual stepping out in faith is so, so important. You know, sometimes it's interesting, we get in a discussion with somebody, and we think it's our job to convince them of who Jesus And we'll get into arguments, right, about the veracity of Christ, the, the, uh, you know, the, the deity of Christ. We'll get into, like, almost knockdown dragouts. And the thing is, we're not told to do that, are we? Now we're in Scripture to say, get into a fight over me. <laughs> what it says is, tell everybody about me. And then it's, it's in their hands. And, and trust me, Jesus, I can take care of it from there. I'm good. <laughs> I can do it. I'm the Savior, not you. You're the witness. You're the witness. And the problem is we have this slow fade. You know, we witness it first. Maybe some of you maybe knew Jesus. You know, you know maybe you've, I know some of you have been on this retreat weekend and Man, you come back fired up, man. You're so fired up, like you, you're like, like a match. You, know, you get next to some <clears throat> dry grass and the whole field will catch fire. You're on fire. But with time, what happens? We get doing the things of life, right? Kids, job, job, kids, you know. Spouse, kids, job, you know. And we lose that fire, don't we? We lose the fire. We've got to rekindle the fire. And how do we do that? Well, we've got to be looking for Christ all around us. We've got to be talking to others, and we've got to be sharing not just our original story, but the stories from today and tomorrow. When did you see Jesus this week in your life? You didn't? 
Well, maybe this next week, maybe we better start being aware and be looking, huh? Because we're not looking, we're probably not going to see him. We've got to be a light. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, Jesus does this. He, there's a thing called the Sermon on the Mount. I guess he's on a mountain. I guess he gives a sermon. And it's kind of long. But they stay awake. You know, it's incredible. He preached to like 10,000 people. He must have had one incredible voice because he didn't have a microphone. But anyway, he's sharing with his crowd, and he shares quite a few things. And the one thing he says is, you've got to be salt, you've got to be light. Salt, you've got to have a little flavor. You've got to liven things up, man. Okay, that's good. But then he talks about being light. Check out Eugene Peterson's version of what he says. He says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. I was in Philly last night for a ball game, great ball game, by the way, won nothing. We won. But anyway, city, where I was sitting in the nosebleeds, you could see downtown Philadelphia, and when it got dark, I could still see it because there were lights on. And I think those lights stayed on all night. You get me? It's a city on a hill. That's a little hill. It's a city on, and we could see it because the lights were shining. We're supposed to be like that. City on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No. Good answer. Perfect. I'm putting you on a light stand. But remember that thing from earlier we read from Revelation, the church at Ephesus? He says, I'm going to take your stand Away. out from amongst the other churches if you, don't, <laughs> if you don't get it right here. We're a light stand. And here's one word he says. I'm going to make you a light stand. Shine! It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Shine! Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. This isn't brain surgery, is it? You don't have to be a Mensa candidate. You don't need a doctor of theology. All we got to do is be a witness. Tell what we know, stay on fire, be a light, right? Some of you are going, that's what I'm doing, Alan. Praise the Lord. Some of you are saying, I'm fading, I've been fading. Start praying. Get on your knees today in your seat up front, back in the corner. Say, God, help me quit fading. Help me be the light. Come on, regenerate me. Some of you are going, I don't know what you're talking about, Alan. Well, today is your day. Pray to God. Say, God, could you make some sense out of what Alan and Carrie were talking about this morning? God will take care of that. He'll let you know what it means to be a light, to be a witness for Christ to come into your life. Get on your knees. Say, God, I need you. Christ, I need you. Help me to shine, to be your light and to be your witness in the world. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get one more? Amen. Just one more. <laughs> and let's pray. God, uh, we confess that sometimes it's really intimidating to, to step out and with that childlike faith. But I pray for a holy boldness to cover this place that we would be a light that isn't shining on ourselves, but that people see Christ through us. Lord, we also pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, that today's their spiritual birthday. And that right here, right now, Lord, you'll pierce their heart. You'll fill them up to overflowing so that they can walk out of here 
not being the God of their own life, but calling you Savior. Lord, help us shine on, shine on to all who we meet. We thank you for your love that shines brightly. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.